Oh, oh yeah, I'm going to do it. Oh, God. Whatever it is that you guys are trying to try, but it's obvious that it hasn't really worked. But anyway, before we start hearing from the horses, because I think I speak for everyone when I say it's nice to finally have a limit after a month. It really doesn't miss much. Like, it doesn't even miss back-to-back. I want to talk about missing out a month. Um, as for Mr. Akin, bro, to me, aka, it's a gun already, so... Um, hello guys, welcome to another episode of the About Nothing podcast. Um, a, a constant member is, is currently present, but I'll probably let you guys hear from the Yossi's month. LMJ, welcome back to another About Nothing podcast. Good evening, guys. Uh, it's been it's been a long while that I've been on this show, and I must say. It, it has felt like a very integral part of it just went mute. Um, I'm very happy to be back and hopefully to be a wonderful moment on the show tonight. Um, before we anyway, Polish and Queen are here. I don't really care about them. Thank you, they will ah. be fine. Let's let's <laughs> buy yeah, really uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think listeners really care about them. They'll be fine with them. Um, right. For for sake of clearer purpose, I know um Polish mentioned you when this whole drama started on the episode was just both of us. I think he also came up last week again. So I think most of the people would love to hear from the Aussie smart, like how was how was the experience? Because we can only see it from TV. We can only say, Oh, dear, yeah. this is crazy or this is whatever conspiracy theory we have, whatever opinion we had. Uh, like you practically experienced it. Like, how would you describe such an experience? Yeah, um, I, I know it sounds weird, but it was a very thrilling experience because, uh, as I wouldn't like to call myself a refugee, but <laughs> as as an ex comrade of war, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I I think it brought it brought to light. Some very interesting aspect of who I am as a person, and mm-hmm. the whole experience was a worthy experience. From I think the, the first day of the of the war, it's it's it all still sounded like an illusion to me. Maybe because of how it was painted in our portion of the media and what we were convinced to believe. So on the very first day, there were lots of shelling very early in the morning, as early as four thirty, and wow. In my shallow mind, I was like, okay, it's just one of those uh, things. It will probably subside. I started giving myself um, uh, a little bit of history lessons about what happened <laughs> in the Donbass region in the past. And I was like, okay, maybe it's something that will probably just slide away. So the very first day I was on my bed, I was doing things as usual. I was watching TV. And intermittently, I was hearing shell. I was hearing um, bombshells, but I was just still confident that okay, it would pass. Um, but the second morning, on the Thursday morning, around four, there was first a shell that was that was loud enough, but it was it wasn't very impactful. And there was around another one around six thirty that shook my apartment for like twenty seconds. Okay, I think that was when reality dawned on me that okay, it's like. Uh, 
I left my beer at risk is because I was I was thinking of um, shuffling between my bed and going to the bunkers to hide. But at that moment, a lot of thoughts started flowing in my mind. Even before that very day, people at home were already panicking. They were already calling me. People were already calling my parents. I, it, it just looked like the best decision to do to leave Kiev at that point in time. So on Thursday, I set out, I set out to leave Kiev. and I couldn't leave Kiev on Thursday. I got to the train station. The old train station was parked. That was the highest garden of black people in my life. Uh, people were pushing to get into the train. Yes, the train was free, but... The whole experience was not free. <laughs> people were pushing themselves. People were stampeding themselves. There was a lady that was pushed into the train tracks, and I feared for her life because I, at that point, I was thinking that she could be crushed by the train and all of that. Um, so I think the very first night we slept in the train station because we were trying to make strategic decisions. There was a lot of okay. misinformation that. Uh, the only safe place to go is just to keep going west. <laughs> and keep going west was not definitive at that first, very first day, not just now the second day of the war. So we we're not sure how to go. So we, we took, a, myself and two other friends, we took a calculated risk that, okay, going west was now the only option everybody was talking about. So uh, at that point in time, I was so sure that more than half a million people were in the west. And it was not going to be a very pleasant experience. So um, I just told my friends that Lviv was not going to be the option because Lviv was going to be very overcrowded. So we're like, okay, let's just go southwest. So we went southwest. And I think the first journey was like around five hours by train. We went to, from five hours because of train having to, the train was getting delayed sometimes. Sometimes the train would try to avoid being shelled, so they would stop halfway. The journey became like an like a nine hours journey. So we got to a little town in southwest called Chernivsky. Uh, so we were, sorry, we were going to a, a town called Chernivsky, but we, we couldn't get a direct train to Chernivsky. Uh, we, Hey, I think we lost him. We lost a little bit. Yeah, I think we lost him. Anyway, um, I'm sure we'll find a way to join us as as the show goes on. Um, Kule, sticking with the Ukraine-Russian drama, as soon as this whole thing started, like Roman eventually hand, Roman said that he was going to hand over the reins of Chelsea to. It's a, a selected few. Then at some point, it was like, okay, you know what? I'm probably just going to sell the club. Then we're in for a shock this afternoon, or should I say this evening? Yeah, this afternoon, when the United Kingdom government came out and said, no, 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 no. It's not going to be in charge. We're going to sanction the assets. It's not going to sell it. Like the places are shown shares wherever you're not allowed to sign players forward, offer new contracts. And oh, LMJ is back. Yeah, I'm, so I'm very sorry. Yeah, I guess I guess I reconnected, or I, I didn't know okay. I didn't know what portion no, you guys. It's gone. Last portion you guys had for me. Uh, no. So I where? Hello. 
Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I said you were trying to yeah, connect. Can hear you. you were trying to get the train to the city. Okay. We we could, so we took we took an, so it's just called the long story short. We we were dropped at the border, like ten kilometers from the border. We had to walk to the border. Uh, that was we went. We now made our way for the border close to Romania. So that was like a four hours walk. Uh, so when we got to the border again, we were at the border for hours, for like eight hours before we could make our way across to the border. It was snowing, it was cold. So on getting to the Romanian side of the border, luckily enough for us, the Nigerian government was at the end of the border to receive us. It was another cruel experience again. We were in the cold, we were sleeping in a refugee shelter for a couple hours before rescue came again. Then they took us to the capital of Romania, which is Bosturet. And at Bosturet, we were launched, and from there, the Nigerian government evacuated us. So it was it was a very a very wholesome experience, but it was worth it and it was fun at the same time. I know it sounds weird, but it was fun. And there's been uh, um, I, I, about this world, a lot of misinformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably we probably information would probably discuss that like bullish and bullish did last week. But um, most of the stuff, most of the reporting we saw in the media, um, Lemeje regarding how black people were being treated. Like you guys not being allowed to enter the train, these most of these Ukrainians suggesting that okay, you guys shouldn't allow the train. Like, like how 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 exactly how true is this? Like, was there a lot of racial bias regarding black people being allowed to get safety from the war? I I I I don't know why. I'm not always a agitator for stuff like this when it comes to discussing issue like this and I know there's been a, little, a lot of talks about racism and all of that but from my personal experience I can't really call it racism because at that point a lot of things were happening like even in the major city before getting to the metro station there was massive order and I I didn't experience any form of racism getting on the train it was just the fact that a lot of this train they were filled up, and by default, by default, I know it sounds to be saying this, but by default, I feel that Ukrainians should be given a little bit of preference over foreigners because, on the long run, foreigners we had plans like we could come back to our country, we could, uh, we had options. There's a little or no option, so you get and. So I saw some videos about black people pushed off the train. I guess at that point, things were becoming tense because my experience of getting on the train, it was sort of a compassionate experience. The man had to beg to get us in, and it was a it was a white man. The whole train was filled up. A train that should only board like eight people. I think over sixteen of us were in a cabin, like we're in a in a suit sort of. So. I can't really call it, I, in, to, in all sincerity, we had to shift, we are pushing each other. I can't call it racism because I was given kind of a preference in a train that I was not supposed to be allowed to get in. I got into the train, not with ease, but at least with, with uh, a little bit of, yes, there were some paints of racism at the border. 
there were some painters, they must have been some painters of racism at the train. But I think a lot of black people, we are always triggered when things don't go our way. And the first thing we attribute it to is racism. So you get, yes, there must have been some racist actions or some racist call, but on my own end, I didn't really, I had to be coming down a lot of Nigerians, like, okay, there was, there was, there was a situation that happened with some Nigerians that I had to calm the situation. They they weren't allowing men into the train. That was on because I said I wasn't able to go on Thursday. I was able to go on Friday morning. Now on Thursday, they were not allowing guys to go into the train. But they allowed Nigerian girls and they allowed they allowed our girls. We at least we push our girls on the train. And some Nigerians were trying to fight them and say is racism. I was like, calm down, guys. Our ladies are on the train. You can see that they are not even allowing their men on the train. And, and it was like, eh, why in no go go? And I was like, guy, in issues in times like this, like there's supposed to be some some grand rules or some preferences, and the women and children are supposed to go first. It's just for me, the way I see it, it's just normal. You can come and say I'm Patricia, Patricia, and everything, but it is just normal. How many women can go, like, can take ammunition and go to war? It is just normal. We need to save the children. It's just human instinct. We need to see the children and women first. And that was what I saw. That was what I experienced. And later, along the line, they allowed we 40 men to go. So I think so, most of the time, we should not just focus on the negative and try to see things from a neutral scope of view. Wow. Um, it must have been a crazy experience. For even putting to abandon LMJ's party, must have been very <laughs> but we're just glad that you are safe, you are healed and hearty, and you are here with us on the end of another podcast. Um, clearly, like I was saying earlier, like I mentioned, like the whole drama surrounding Roman and Chelsea now, whereby okay, they can't really have players, they can't spend their there's a certain amount of money they can spend on on away trips, blah blah blah, and all these sanctions. Like, yes, we have to do this, but doesn't this seem very unfair to Chelsea as a, as a football club? Honestly, yes, because first of all, as we said last week, there is selective justice. Like, oh yes, oh yes, Abramovich's complaints. Uh, Abramovich uh, might be involved with the Kremlin and Russia and everything. Um, the Glazers funded Trump, and you can take what Trump did to Syria. Nobody talks about that. And also, I just I I feel like if if um, the old stance of the UK government is that yes, Abramovich won't get any profits benefit from the sales, and just give the club over to the fans and let them control it. Like whatever, wow. what is that? You know, just give the club and move all these restrictions. Also, okay, yes, Abramovich do no longer own this anymore. Let the fans take care of it. Not, not that okay. Yes, technically he still owns it, so I understand. But we frozen it. They can't do this. They can't do that. And. The problem with this kind of sanction is that they are go- the first thing that will affect is the non-football staff. F- the staff, not uh, essentially football, the background, they're they going to leave. It's obvious. Because they, they have to they will make money from ticket sales as before. They will, they will have to limit spending on trips. They're definitely going to leave people. And that is, again, people who are not involved in this. To be honest, um, Bullish, now, even initially I thought that, okay, whether Chelsea fans like it or not, if they had sold Chelsea to another billionaire that had as much money as you can find in the world, then it's always going to be a different owner from Roma. Because one of the reasons why they were successful is because Roma's desire to win. 
as as much as he spends money, there's no sentiment attached. Just ask Lampard and the former ex, the ex managers they've used in the past. The minute you don't deliver, boom, you are gone. Thank you, thank you very much for coming. Even if you spend one month, two weeks, three years, ten years, Roman doesn't really care. So it, it's, it's 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 written in the stars that like this is the end of an era for Chelsea bullish. No, so the, the the whole thing looks messed, and it looks just um, it feels like um, the West or like UK particularly, and you know they are trying to fight back because apparently. Obviously, when you cut off supply from Russia, you don't have oil, you don't have gas. You are calling Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is not picking Biden's call. They say they want... To me, you say you are world power. You are the one that says you want to prosecute us for Khashoggi. So if you want oil... <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, I was watching this. That was what they said. They, they said, it's they not they, they even gave them response. They completely left them on. They didn't answer the president's call. Like, you can imagine the kind of nightmare, that kind of um, old scenario is breeding, where a whole, head of, a whole president of America is not even getting a call back from the leaders in Saudi Arabia and Iran. So, I think they are now going, they are now at the point where they are thinking they have to go all out. You know, before it was looking like they were going to give me leeway, you know, so you can mm-hmm. quickly sell the club, get your money. But it's as if now they are trying to go for the juggler. So, in terms of, in, in, the whole thing screams of hypocrisy, obviously. And then it doesn't make sense to say, okay, this club is going to be in They can't sign players, they can't sell jerseys, they can't, like almost everything. If you want to take over the club, take over the club, but let the club still function and run the way it's supposed to run. Because they are, mm-hmm. according to um, Kunle said, there are already reports already said, not even a matter of uh, it will happen. There are reports that some people have been fired already. They've laid off some people because obviously, immediately something like that has happened. That's something that they get paid because their activities going on every day. Let's say, for yeah. example, at the store, at the uh, club store, those kind of things, at the museum, those kind of things, those kind of things get paid. You know, the, the more things are happening. So there's already that uh, there's already that problem already right now. So it, it just it just it doesn't make sense. I don't even know how to explain or justify it. It just feels like you know they don't know exactly what to do. They don't know how to attack. The, okay, let me not say they don't know what to do, but they don't want to go to the route the the route of um, peaceful solution. They don't want to go that route. They are stuck on you know. Getting just, to the bottom with this approach they are going with. Um, but, but Bright, is it not foolhardy? Like you are doing all these sanctions and stuff, right? Right, gracefully. So, I am. Um, you guys are trying to save face in media. Okay, we are trying to sanction all Russian oligarchs. We are holier than thou. Blah blah blah. But this is directly affecting your own citizens. Like the people that are going to lose these jobs are in the UK. Are from the UK and they live in the UK. They are not Russians. With all, due, with all due respect, uh, the lawmakers in the UK, I, they are just dumb. Like, there's no there's no other thing to say about it. The lawmakers, the people in the House of the Commons, if you listen to their approach to this war, you will know that they, they are just dumb. They, they have been inactive for a very long while, and they don't know how to handle matters of war or conflict. And they just, to them, they just, they just want to be a small that shakes. 
they want to they want to see them as people that are doing something. It makes no sense because, especially, I'm, I'm a little bit happy all of this is happening to Chelsea because I hypothetically, my, my, my they, they, is, they definitely, there's no, I, I, I won't team. deny that one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it makes no sense because you are hurting the economy. Like, I, I don't think it's, it's no longer a discussion that football is like a, a major pillar in the um, in the economic condition of the country. And a major pillar, a major club in that pillar, you're trying to dead it. Let me just use that word. You're trying to just dead it. You're trying to kill it by force. And <laughs> they're they are not even thinking about the countless day-to-day staff that run, that help in the, in the operation of that club. They just, to them, in their mind, in their shallow mind, they just want to punish Abramovich and the Russian oligarchs. Which, if we are being sincere, if we are being sincere, the sanction, the sanction was uh, no trading can be done, uh, embargo on transportation, and one other stupid thing that they use. If we are being sincere, if you know a Russian oligarch to any level whatsoever, none of that bullshit works. None of it works. I remember when, I remember was it the third day of the sanctions, and immediately the, the volume of Bitcoin on Russia exchanges went up by billions of dollars. So these guys... Wow. These guys, they are major, they are major stakeholders in the issue and affairs of the world, and they know how to run their teams. R- Russia, Russia has one of the best cyber hackers in the world. They have, they have one of the best uh, aeronautic engineers in the world. When it comes to any any integral portion in the world, they have strong feet in it. So, but you think your dumb sanctions is going to affect them one way or the other. You can just imagine when they started with these sanctions nonsense, gradually the price of fuel started going up. The same people you are still buying fuel from. So you are sanctioning them, you are destroying the ruble, whereas you are funneling more dollars back into the economy. They know bond Germany where to go and buy fuel elsewhere. They, their, their energy sector will crumble. A lot of companies, a lot of con- um, European countries like that that can't even stand on their own. They can't stand on their own without Russia and all. And they know all of this. So, but the season oligarchs yacht that is the way forward and making sure that Chelsea cannot breed. Whereas there are thousands of UK citizens that will become jobless from storm actions like that. Anyway, um, somebody should please tell them that Nigeria has good weight before the star boys are around in Nigeria will shop for the money finish because oil, <laughs> oil is at a very high of $130 per barrel. And trust Nigerian politicians to be like, we don't know what's going on. So people should not come and be asking us for any money. We don't know that it's already at an all-time high. We're just going to keep it and be boiling. Um, Kule, I mean, Brad just mentioned something. Before moving from this topic, you talked about it's really, it's really, um, this stuff is not really affecting the oligarchs. Because I was reading somewhere where um, someone wrote an article saying that as long as Putin runs things in Russia, these oligarchs that you are trying to stifle or scare into doing some things, they are fine. They are friends with Putin. They run things in Russia. The way things are affected, like the Russian economy itself still looks like it's still breathing. And it's going to take care of them. They know it's going to take care of them. He knows they, because they know that basically they are like the front for most of the things that most of the companies that he has created. So in a way, it feels like it's a lose-lose lose, lose battle because yes, you're doing these stuff out of trying to force Russia to leave Ukraine alone or whatever it is that you want Russia to do, whether you want whether the West wants Russia to sacrifice Ukraine finally on the platter. 
whichever actually whichever intentions they really have. But this thing doesn't look like it's working. So why are we doing this again? Yeah, and um, the, the most important thing to note is that most of these sanctions, they only the only affecting them is the people of Russia itself, like the middle class and the working class people. And we've been seeing the whereby all those PayPal and the rest they're no longer um, they're no longer active. And mm-hmm. even the consequence of that is that um, if if the West bans those things from for Russia, Russia is turning to China now. But I'm I'm China is its own version of everything. And if 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 that is successful, I mean a multipolar world has opened. And um, the the West the power of the West has waned. And for the whole um uh, the oligarchs are still fine and they want to put it to back down. What's and that's in the West are not um taking into account is that a um the, the main regions that cause that cause this conflict is Crimea, Donbass, Luans, they are Russia speaking. And because of that, a lot of Putin's actions is actually gained is actually supported by some Russians. Even Russian socialists, they are like, yes, this is a good idea. And it's even increasing. So, so if you do this, you are ultimately creating something like a, like a siege victim mentality towards Russians. So, so it doesn't, apart from that, that it hurts. It hurts the working people of Russia, but it doesn't do anything to Putin's war efforts. Especially right now. Well, um, away from the entire Russian drama, I'm sure you could probably spend an entire day talking about this. Because for those of us that have perfect predictions, Elements knows himself. Our town predicts ye ye. I can't up my hand too because Mr. If I have four about four my predictions. But bullish. I'm sure yesterday <laughs> that you're looking at it there. You're looking at it there. Okay, I predicted PSG to go through. What's going on here? You guys, because for those that saw the game, at some point it looked like Roman didn't have no chance on good eight. After that, it like the first 60 minutes. The PSG had it too easy, they were in control, they were running the game. Like, how on God's earth did he go from, okay, I'm not good enough to play PSG too. Oh my God, PSG are out. So, I, I, I think it's, it's a... It's, yesterday's game was a full testament of the importance of uh, momentum in football games. Because you, can, you could see what was going on. And it was a case of getting a, a momentum enough time on the clock to actually realize momentum and then when people say that's why i don't appreciate or i don't really understand why uefa is canceling away goals you know why because yesterday clearly you can see the effect of having the support of our home crowd spurring the home team to action because yes psg you know they are eternal butlers you know they are They've had from very, very uncharacteristic, you know, occurrence. I can remember because I saw my, uh, what's it called? My Google photos. I can remember the 2017 where we played. Yes, I, I, I made a video that day I posted on IG. So I saw that video yesterday, yesterday or day before yesterday. So I think after seeing that video, I, I, I watching the game, I was like, well, these people, I can't trust them. Because the truth is, they had or every they had they created so many chances at the beginning of the game. They had every opportunity to actually break forth. They were, were controlling the tempo of the game. Now, a lot of people, you know, will come out and say Donnarumma was fouled. And actually it was a foul. But the first question is, 
why do you why do you keep because when the ball got to the aroma, Benzema was literally still at the edge of the box. So there was enough ample time for him to have made his clearance, made his pass, or made whatever he wanted to do there. And the uh-huh. truth is, when you make when you give a team that is, you know, it's a case of it's a boxing game or a UFC cage fight. You have been torturing the person, clinical, you are giving the person all these things, then you allow the person grapple you and land you on the floor. You have as in all the hope that was lost, that he thought maybe he has lost in all the hope. In that size, they sign a weakness that, oh, if I rattle this person, maybe if I throw this left hook, this guy cannot sustain it. That's exactly what happened. And that's why they were able to bar, like, the whole barrage on them, you know, the lost completely then. And I think another thing is, there was a statement that, you know, that was made yesterday. And it was about, oh, who is the leader of the team? Who is the one that is supposed to take over and say, oh, this is not happening to us. Let's, you know, whatever is going on by right now, let's calm down. Let's play our game, especially after the first goal. But it's, it just looked like there was no one communicating that to the players. And it was like the coach did not have any way to communicate that even repeat. Then when you look at the change of Paredes, you know, when he, when he removed Paredes and brought in Ghana, Okay. It looked like Paredes and Berati, um, you know, from the first leg, even to this leg, they had to tell the mention of that. Bringing in Ghana, Ghana you know, I, I can't even remember, I can't make remember one tackle that Ghana made in that game. Like, I can't remember one tackle. And, you know, in games like that, especially, for example, when Modric was making that run, mm-hmm. this is the kind of, that's the kind of position where you collect your red card. And, okay, because you don't allow him to advance as far I, I, because I've watched Real Madrid many, many times. You see the same Modric, you know, Ramos, when Messi is trying to make those kind of dating runs. Why Shabale? Just like, especially when it's a knockout time, you are advancing to the next stage. He's taking it one for the team. It's a sacrifice. Why Shabale? So it's just, it just shows that the, 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 is it that, that the coach doesn't transfer his message, especially? He doesn't have one person that I trust to transfer his message on the pitch, meaning someone that I can go and meet and say, Oh, yeah, communicate this to the midfield, communicate this. To For example, in Manchester, I think someone that does that sometimes is Fernandino. You know, he doesn't play as much as he used to play before. But yeah. you know, there are some that Guardiola will just bring Fernandino in and say, Yeah, go and tell them to calm down. Let them, you know, go and control, go and help them to fix, just control what's going on in the midfield. But it just felt like the team don't have any control of what was going on. Well, I'm not ah. a big fan of players, so but, uh, <laughs> was, that was your ex for that money that wanted you to what they, what, that was you that wanted you to wanted them to win, right? I, 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 go to I think Avi. You pick PSG now. What is Daru? You pick PSG, sir. What is Daru? You look, sir. You pick PSG now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I see. I'm going to yes, sir. Anyway, um, Kuli. Um, we're obviously huge fans of Pochettino. Like I've been a huge, I've been a huge fan of Pochettino for what he did at Spurs and everything. But what have you? But there's no defending this. To be honest, okay, last year you came in in January, you didn't win the league. There was any drama between Tuchel and Leonardo, so you didn't really win the league. You didn't win anything. Okay, that that happened. But this year you're out of Coupe de la Ligue, in sec- uh, Coupe de France in the second round. 
he didn't win this French Super Cup. Do you, like PSG have lost seven away games. To, they have lost all the away games to the top seven teams. Nantes, Nice. Like you barely picked these teams away from home. Like you didn't win any away game in the Champions League group stage or in the second round. Like and a game that you're completely in control, you, you threw it away. Yes, even the biggest fans of Argentina would say it looks like he's struggling to transmit this because we all thought that oh, with the resources he had at school, he did an amazing job. Now he has amazing resources at PSG. He should be able to do better, take to another level. This is a case of okay, Pochettino's career going in the wrong direction or wrong manager, wrong team. I think he's wrong manager, wrong team because I've said it many times that. This is not PSG football club. It's Paris, the brand that wears Air Jordans and everything. And you can say, and frankly, if if we're going to simplify, you say, okay, PSG took a team that had Arius and Ben Davis to the Champions League final. PSG have been bottling this since 2016, like they faced threat opponents and like, and and the yesterday game. I think after Benzema, it felt like PSG players. Witness a car crash, like they could not do anything again. Like there was no attitude, there was nothing. And sometimes it's not, I don't think that's the kind of thing you can just, you can manage if the players are not, if the players don't want to give that. Because they have star names, and every time something doesn't go their way, they, they don't have their attitude to recover at all. You have you seen it countless times. And I feel for position because they are good, they definitely, he can't survive. Anymore, it doesn't matter if he wins the league, nobody cares. And I think you should put some blame on Leonardo because even uh, at Kalifi, the director said he's also looking at Leonardo with skepticism. Like he, has since, to, since he has to look at that, Leonardo for the old two cool drama and everything. Ever since he bottled that Mbappe contract issue, and mm-hmm. when when um, Leonardo came out and like, I still could just you know, and I'm sure the Kalifi like, like, yeah, two of you are going together, so it's like two bits. So I just I just I feel for Pochettino because it's definitely good to have his chances because oh yes look at see you on that team PSG is clear but but frankly it's, it's a place of it's a place of wrong wrong manager wrong place and he's come and coach Ruru in a good we don't want I think that if uh, PSG we've seen too many things too many cases of wrong manager wrong place so I feel like perhaps maybe the problem is the place not the managers. <laughs> <laughs> wrong place, wrong place. Uh, uh, I want to ask the house which manager would come into PSG and then get them, you know, say they've gone to the final of the Champions League, obviously. So that's not the problem. That's mm-hmm. win win the Champions League. Which manager would come in there and win the Champions League? I think frankly with the squad they have those superstars, I feel like Zidane, because not just even tactical side, I think as management. Because I think Zidane is the kind of player where you can, where you can tell, okay, Neymar, do this. Because, okay, if, let's say Pochettino or Emery says Neymar do this, Neymar will be like, I have won Champions League now. Who will be this family? They follow me talk. <laughs> you can't tell Zidane that Zidane has won World Cup. He has won Euros. You cannot... He has won Champions League. He has won everything. So you can't say, I've won, I've won it too. So he has the... Like, he has the CV and he has the... He has the reputation to back it. He has the... Yeah, I think Zidane is the obvious choice because he has won it three times as a manager. Not to talk about as one as a player and both of you. So you'd probably want to do what he's saying. But I, I feel like the other things here, there's, a, there's obviously the kind of mindset that the entire club itself has that goes down to the players. Because, um, and I'm seeing somewhere yesterday, but okay, 
PSG had this amazing transfer window. We all said they won't transfer window, especially after they signed you know, Messi on the free and he came in and we were like, okay, it's Champions League of boss now. So now, yesterday, yes, Messi did his beat at some point when PSG were in charge. But as soon as their head deep, there are people that have come out to say, oh, he, he didn't show himself to be a leader yesterday. Like, he didn't governize the troops. As much as he's a quiet person, he's not a loud person. At some point yesterday, even when PSG were 2-1 down, he should have shown more. Like, he should have shown more in terms of raising his chin up, trying to motivate him rather than just putting his head down to be like, okay, don't worry, let's just go again or something. Do you think it's fair to accuse Messi of being a bad leader at that point in time? I, I I think it's it is an unfair judgment because we've all known him to be who he is. I, I, I don't think at this point in his career he can just take a 360 flip and start embodying a charisma that he never had. So it was it was funny to me yesterday when I went to Twitter and people were like, Yes, it's like we enjoyed the messy mount, but people were like, eh, he just gave up. And I'm like, guys, is this the first time you are seeing him just throwing the towel after a like is that is not who he is. That is not his temperament. No, 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 no. I will not. Agree. I will not agree with this assessment. I'm. I'm not okay. sure. Let me just give yesterday. And the truth I is, a lot, of, wait, a lot wait. of people, a lot of people, a lot of people. What don't what realize. exactly? Wait, what exactly are you driving at? Are you saying that Messi what? has not given no. this kind of continence before? Or I don't. No, I, like no. I would like to understand what you are. What the, you are trying the, to say. The, the statements um, Wally gave is that it looks like after they went down. Messi did not take over the game. And then the, what I'll ask is that PSG, this season, most of this season, has never played through Messi. And that's that's where, that's where you know, yes, you are talking about Pochettino, the great I, I, I'm guy. Not the, about, the, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, like, taking over the game. There are instances no, whereby, no, no. in terms of leadership, if you look at Marquinhos, if you look at Marquinhos, Marquinhos is suddenly screaming at his teammate and he's saying, okay, we can do more. Like that's my point. Whether you like it or not, whether you like it, no, whether you like it or not, the armband doesn't have to be on hand, but it's a player. That's that, not about armband. I'm talking about gameplay. Okay. The way they, the way they play. The, I'm not even talking about gameplay. I'm just talking about motivation. See, the way the game, the way the the way the gameplay happens, the way the game is being constructed, it usually determines who has the right or who has the ability to actually come out and say and say, oh. Bring the boy here, do the see. I know Messi is Messi, and obviously he should be able to do that. But since he has been in PSG, he has not had that kind of ability or that kind of um pull in that in that um team. Yeah, I, I get that. that. But Bolish, let me interrupt you and say something. What the reason why, why I'm saying this is that yes, I agree with you that since he has been at PSG, like so even the games that they've lost or the games that they failed to play well, it felt like okay, Messi did his own thing, we lost and he moved on. Like it, it, it doesn't have this aura. Whereby, okay, or like you know that you can see that he's ranting or he's currently, or maybe he's trying to motivate his teammates one way or the other through his obvious actions. Don't you think that with the kind of person he is, so, this is a guy that is okay, really, really the greatest footballer of of all time. Like there's no way Messi will talk and he would not listen. Don't you think he should do more in terms of leadership? Like, okay, guys, so when, when let's just you, you, So you need to you need to you need to understand that everybody has different leadership style. For example, as as commanding as Javi was on the pitch, you will never see you had this is Javi shouting at someone. So the fact that Ronaldo, when the team is losing or when they are pressing, he's raising up in the up in the air, dragging people, 
That's his own leadership style. Messi has never been like that. That does not mean he does not lead. That does not mean he does not lead. There's a difference. Wait now. Let me let me learn. There's a difference between doing gra gra and jumping up and then communicating what you need them to do. The fact that he's not shouting or don't don't he's not everyone that behaves like that behaves like that or that does like that. So that 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 statement of you should me I just feel like we're expecting him to take over the game in a team that was not set up for him. And the truth is, we don't know what goes on on the pitch. It's not as if we are directly with the players, hearing what is communicating. Because I've seen the, the so-called cases that we say Messi does not communicate. I've seen back back uh, room images where they show that, oh, actually, this guy is actually dictating and explaining, oh, you get there, you do this, you do that, you do that. But because he's not animated when he's doing it, it looks like he's not doing anything. But I've seen it when, even against Liverpool, when we lost... Uh, what's it called when we lost the second leg? I saw the amount of things he was doing on the pitch that because he was not doing, was not dragging his hand, he was not running up like uh, the way obviously we want him to give. We will say, ah, he, he, dro- he dropped it away. But in that same game, he created so many chances, expected like because he knew that he was crowded, created so many chances, was directing play, was organizing the team. But because he's not doing, he's not jumping like Mascherano or not, you know. Uh, um, like it's not animated with the way he does it. We think that it's not leading. So it's, it's just a yeah. case of style. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying like, in terms of style and like let me just get you what both of you are saying. But what I'm saying is that in this instance, the accusation has been you let your jaw drop, you're looking down, you're not looking towards your teammate and everything. As soon as that third goal came, you know, as soon as the second goal came, you just fully consider the third one. Whereby okay, you're like, okay, the video shows him probably dropping his jaw down. People are like, okay. Shouldn't it be a situation of okay, Messi encouraging his teammates more? We're not saying he should not pull them by the ear or be. I think I see a bullish point in terms of on the pitch because if Messi is not an integral player in terms of the style, I don't think, especially in a club like he's, he's, still, he's still relatively, I don't think he's going to dictate stuff in terms of attitude. Like, we are, yes, come on, guys, let's do this. Because if you're not that key player, you can't take if you do, if you do, oh, yes, come on, guys, let's do this. People just look at you, like, you are not wait, being wait. now. Wait, you, you, I hope you guys know that that's not an excuse because I think me and Boris have had these debates before. When it comes to great players in any sports, in any team sport, Charles Barkley will tell you that I was not the only um, player in the Phoenix Suns 1992 team or 1994 team. I'm the same person that gets blamed for everything because if, like, my, my United are obviously struggling, whether Ronaldo is there or not, they will drag him. Like, yeah, this is PSG with name. Hold on, hold, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. They no, will drag him there. Is not, is not correlating. Wait, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying. I'm not talking is, about. No, this. No, I'm, not I'm not talking. Using that example. I'm not using that example. I'm saying that. I'm saying that. Messi is the third best player in this squad, according to the way they set up. Because you have I'm, Mbappe, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And the 34 year old Messi. I'm. See, I'm not going to dispute whether the way they set up, whether potential, like Oppositional likes to play alongside. No. But I'm telling you that both Neymar and Mbappe look up to Messi because they know that he is a better player. They can't argue that in their sleep, whether they want it, whether they want to do it or not. So as much as okay, Pochettino is not playing through Messi and what have you. If Messi starts at a point and turns around and says, Hey, pass me the ball, you will pass the ball. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, hold on, game wait. Was the ball in the I get that point. Wait, what I'm trying to tell you guys now is that 
whether you want to accept it or not, that okay, yes, Pochettino doesn't play too much, he doesn't play too much, he doesn't play too The reason why these players are held to a higher standard, whether it's fairly or unfairly, is because of who they are and the antecedents that they have set, the records that they have, like the kind of what they've achieved in their career. So if you are coming around to say that, okay, um, the reason why we cannot really blame Messi for not for like for, for not being I'm, a leader, I never said we can't can blame Messi. You need to you need to get my own point of view. I never said we can't blame Messi for the whole performance of the team. Is a joint they are all a team, they lost together. There are some things that Messi should have done better. For example, he, he missed the penalty in the first leg, he could have contributed to what, what was happening. But what I'm saying is even this thing you just said about oh, if you if you if you turn and say, Okay, guys, yeah, give me the ball, let's let me let me run up some place. There, there were more than one or two chances that in the box or even close to the box where Messi is standing and putting his hand and shouting, give me ball, give me ball. And they are not giving him the ball. It's not maybe something, it's something you can go and actually watch the highlights and you can see that the team is not running through him. There's a way, there's a way he plays. Yes, right. Argentina, Barcelona, he was the king in those places. He's just coming here. And the truth is, I understand the aspect of maybe body language. It might not be 100% showing the way he probably was showing in Barcelona because me, I feel to an extent he's there because he just had to leave. He didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. He just had to leave. And then he's probably okay. saving his body for the World Cup, which is like his last um, last um, you know, tournament that he's probably willing to win. And you know, I know that that's, that's a possibility. But the truth is, even in the midst of all this, you can see that in the team, the, the way they communicate with you can see the way the gameplay goes. Like, for example, if you watch Barcelona now, if Pedri calls for the ball, he gets the ball because the, the, the team is playing through him. So you cannot express on that, for example, Obama Yang, yes, he's scoring, but Obama cannot dictate, oh, give me the ball. No, it does not work that way. Yes, you have star player, whatever, whatever. But still, there's a way the team has been structured to perform. And you can well, see is not messy. multiple times. And that's how you're saying Baba Meag is not missing. Either way, um, so wait now, um, right, is that the fault of the manager for not exactly his best player? Or because as much as yes, I, so actually I agree with the fact that okay, Messi's body language felt like at some point he felt like he was disinterested. I saw that goal came in. You could see, like, okay, these ones are just a bundle of this. And I shouldn't have, I shouldn't even be here in the first place. If Batomio didn't mess up everything, what am I even doing here? But now, is there? So, is it a case of, okay, the manager not playing through his best player or the best player seemingly like disinterested? I, uh, I think it's a little bit of both because, in my mind, I will not lie to you. Like, I have everybody on this pod knows that I am not a number one Messi fan, but at the same time, you cannot have a player like Lionel Messi and you'll be running plays around the flank, around players that are dumb. I'm very sorry to say this, but there are some plays that that PSG ran through Mendy yesterday, and I was like, you people are definitely on top of this game. You should be running this play through the middle where Messi can. Have, a substantial say in this game. Keep this game at 3-0. I'm very sorry to say this. Real Madrid is not one of the best team in the in world football presently. I don't and, think there's, there's no sorry to say about that. They're not very good. I'm, so if, if it was Man City, they would have lost yesterday. If it was Man City, they would have lost woefully yesterday. So they are not the best. They've not been really playing well. Even yesterday, they didn't really play well. They didn't play well because I felt that... Uh, 
Tony Cruz was off, and like it was after the game, I now learned that he was never supposed to start in the first place. He was off a little bit. I he's somebody I adore a lot in the midfield, and he wasn't at that peak. So there were some plays they were running through Mendy on the left yesterday that was very provoking for me as a, as someone that has played football to an extent. I'm like, there's Messi and Neymar that can interchange positions in this middle. There are some plays Sorry I felt that you, to. but you should not be running plays to Neymar anymore. <laughs> and I'm really interested in football. If I beat is, Celta, so that, I don't think he's so interested in football. Is, what is the manager doing to get those people interested mm-hmm. in the game? Because the truth is, whatever whether we like it or not, the manager is not that will come in and change how the if okay, I and mean, if you think they are not interested that they are not playing for you, remove them. I, I be, think that's I think we are missing the fundamental part because again, um PSG are not playing Messi, Mbappe and Neymar together to function that to merchandise and win tickets. But it's no cannot then, go and tell Akelafi that I want to bench one of them. They are not going to. He's not going to accept then, then, then why are you always demand? If PSG wants to become PSG the brand, then why are you always putting these unnecessary mandates or managers to come perform the impossible? Because I, I know this PSG drama is taking too much time, but I don't know if you guys saw the second leg between City and PSG. Obviously, they were in the same group. And there was a period in that game where Manchester were completely dominating PSG. And Messi, Mbappe, Neymar, we're at the other side of the pitch. Like the three of them, you can't tell you, the three of them to be pressing unnecessarily. So it had like it felt like PSG had nine except, except PSG. Man City had nine players against seven outfit players of PSG and three were just out and that oh you know what? This is not our own style. I feel I feel there's unnecessary demand from the board on managers of of Paris and German to to win. Uh, why still conforming to a particular setup, which even even if it is against their philosophy, they still have to do it. You get, and I, I feel that job is just a ticking time bomb for whoever t- gets the job. And it's quite unfortunate that Poch CV is the one getting dented and dented. I'm the. I'm sorry, I'm never it is what it is. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry for him. Like there, there are just some excuses that you can at least not second round or failure to do well in the league. It's just, it's just really bad. Um, away from the entire um, PSG drama, like Kule, I think it wasn't bad enough that City absolutely molested Man United in the debut. Like he absolutely <laughs> brutalized them. Eleven, they don't go second half. Round in the second half, like then to make matters worse. Prime Minister, we all respect Michael Rashford as the Prime Minister for what he does regarding feeding children and everything he does off the field. But you lost your shirt to a 90-year-old Anthony Elanga. What's the best thing that you could do after losing scandalously in the debut? You are telling your people, your people are releasing messages about how you are not happy that the club is benching you, that you are considering your options. And I'm considering, and I'm wondering, considering your options to be Newcastle or Aston Villa. Well, two cars have money now, so there's so they can't we can't rule out the possibility. But I just feel like honestly, I'm not really that upset with Rashford because, or frankly, even any player at this point, as my United, if they decide that oh, that if they play that look and compete with this and nobody, I'm not doing the game. Like basically, Cavani, Cavani, I said, well, anything, anything, you know, no call me, no call me, I don't think like, and you can tell, okay, yes, maybe. This is just. This is not just one person. This is not. This is a collective problem. Like, like even uh, Rashford, like 
So I next you got Sarah Ford is based on my United because homegrown player, what is done off the pitch as well. And I and then suddenly I've become the solution to like, oh, I'm not doing and, this see, anymore. And I, I, I understand wait, sorry to cut you. I understand the idea of being the solution that you don't want to do this anymore. But a few months ago when Ronaldo gave his interview to Sky Sports and talk about the young the attitude of the young players and st- and what have you not. Like we're talking about Oh, yeah, I know it's a cliche. People are talking about my United. We're talking about my United here. Yeah. And a player who is off form. Let, let's face it. In the last 18 months, Ashford has contributed nothing to my United. Like, for good eight, for 18 good months. Then, all of a sudden, you lose your share to a 19-year-old who is barely trying to make his feet in his team. And your rebuttal to that, like, your response to that is, oh, you know what? I don't like the fact that people are benching me for playing rubbish. Again, I feel like I won't really... Uh, but of course, even the people that are replaced, are, is there anyone really playing with at this point? Because that's what you can't say. That's what cannot say that okay, this player is definitely playing better than me. That's why. So you can't really say yes. Okay, yes. So, okay, this player is performing better. So you, so you deserve to be on the bench. Again, it's a collective problem. As you, you cannot see the old players like they are not doing anything. Rashford, every, everyone else. It's like if. So, and like that's a corner for the like, so if you went to an interview and somebody say uh, what are your strengths and then you reply and uh, nothing like okay yes. like, like <laughs> they, are, they are not offering anything it's i think it's as simple as that. so even even though uh, rashford is being over the top to an extent actually seeing his concerns like uh, okay you're not playing me even people are playing they are playing rubbish now so what's not the point of what i do here <laughs> Um, but bullish, but, but, but you know, it, it feels like it's a dilemma because nothing is written, so nothing is guaranteed. Obviously, Barcelona had their struggles at some point, but it looks like Xavi has come with the magic one to fix it. Maybe sometimes you can just keep the bottom and go and get the manager that can fix the problem at any club. Now, since yesterday night, my United fans have been screaming that they don't even want Pochettino at all. They see him, they will chase him away, blah blah blah. They don't really care, he's bad. Now, it, that becomes the idea of okay. Are they going to give Eric Ten Hag alone the job? Is Enrique is obviously not going to lose Spain before the World Cup, or is it a case of okay? Because I know the, the way the United border is structured, there are the kind of people that can wake up tomorrow morning and say, "You know, Pochettino is for free. Just go and get him for free." Is Pochettino still the right candidate to go in and turn things around the way Xavi did the Barcelona, or should they be looking in a different direction for someone else? So the, I think the question. Um, someone like Pochettino probably would want to discuss with the team is how much autonomy he's going to have or how much freedom he's going to have with the team. Because, uh, yes, Pochettino, you know, with Tottenham and, you know, all those young boys that he, he, he assembled together that, he were, you know, they were still virgins then, you know, they did not have anything there. To do, so they would listen to <laughs> When it comes to, see, you need to understand, see, there was a time when Agmola was like a Ronaldo. Ashley Young was like a Ronaldo. No, I'm serious. But when they came to big club, when Ashley Young came to big club, he now started playing left back. I remember. Ashley Young used to be attacking, uh, dribbling everybody. I remember that time. Aston Villa like, cut, cut everybody's life. Square play, shorts, everything. Left and right. Everything. He came to United, he became left back. <laughs> he started playing like Tai 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 So you need to understand that. Yes, in fact, they, Grand Potter is doing well in Brighton. Or Pochettino did well in Tottenham. Doesn't mean they, uh, she be our professor. He did well in Locomotive Moscow. I love the Yogi. But he's not designed to be done. So the fact that you are you did well somewhere doesn't mean that when it comes to 
these players that earn more than you, that have the like 40, 50 million endorsements, that you know, that have MB and probably will contest for prime minister, doesn't mean that he will respond to you the way Virgin Virgin boys that are 16 years old that that not have girlfriend will respond to you. So there's a, there's a there's a need to know that okay. This guy, they, they, they probably have to discuss now. Okay, what is going to be your approach in dealing with this locker room? Because no matter how you want to put it, United's locker room is a very you know, strange topic one. And yeah, especially if someone like Ronaldo is still going to remain there, there has to be that conscious discussion. Of, okay, the best actually, the best person probably for them probably be, will have been the same Zidane we are talking about. And the reason, and the same reason why we are mentioning Zidane is the same reason why we mentioned it for PSG. That credential, that um, um, experience, that okay, there's nothing you want to do on the pitch that I've not done. I won three Ballon d'Or, so I was ex- extremely talented and special. I've won all the trophies you can think of in your life: Champions League, World Cup, Euros, everything. I've won Champions League as a, as a what's it called, as a manager. The first time Madrid won a double in 52 years, I was the one that won it for them. So you can, so the the resume speak. It's the same thing with if Guardiola goes to a club now. If Mourinho goes to a club now, though Mourinho's own after one year, only my bad on Jack. But there's, there's still that first, <laughs> that first level. Um, there's, there's still that first level at the beginning that, oh, guy, calm down. The person that is speaking, you have to listen. This is the person's resume. This is what he has done. If club goes anywhere too, it's going to be the same kind of effect, at least at the beginning that. Whatever it is you think you know how to do, whatever it is, whatever abilities you have, this is the person in charge. They can stamp their authority. And I think that's probably what is also working in Barcelona because Xavi also have that kind of resume. All the World Cups, all the Euros, you know, he has won everything as a player. So he can come and tell a Busquets, Alaye, what's wrong with you? Calm down. Listen, this is what I want us to do. Or whoever is joining the team and say, this is how we are going to set up. And the difference between Coman, for example, and Xavi is that I see that they have a way they want to play. Even though we play 0-0 this night, you could see that the, the team already, they have a method the style they want to play, they have a way that okay, if someone loses the ball, this is how we attack and try to get the ball back. So you need to have that discussion with Pochettino if you are going to go with him. That guy, what is your approach with this squad? Then you probably need to let him bring as many guys as he wants to help him get the job done. Because I don't think professors, professor can fully is fully in touch with the reality of today's stars. Kule, uh, want to say something? Yeah, I think the one of the problems as United was I think the culture itself. And so I think you can see the blame, some part of the way lies with social because they had I feel like they had too much leeway. And mm-hmm. now yeah. over the past months, we've seen reports of Ragnik going, well, these players don't really want to do what I want. But if you have if you have been told over the past two years or so that's so just freestyle it and do it. If so oh yeah, let's now we're going to do structure, we're going to get, get pressed. Well, it'll be like, well, I'm not doing it, that oh, yeah, please. <laughs> basically, okay, yes, let's just let's use vibes and move on. And then, and Potentino, you know what kind of Potentino demands like 100%. If you annoy him, just go out. And by that, Potentino comes and go, ah, the whole squad is not, is not interested in this. Whole. So, as Bolly said, he has to speak to the board. I'm like, okay, yes. But do you still believe that is the right one for them, or should they go for someone like it? Then, how? Honestly, yeah, at point, I, honestly, at this point, if United don't fix their culture, there's no money that will change anything. Honestly, because they're just keep bring, they don't, they, no money that will change anything. Maybe it's Zidane to an extent, but it, 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 it's not one manager won't fix it. 
at this at this point is not it's not it won't be that won't be that straightforward at all. And I imagine Sim was the professor, so that's at, at this point, I just I, I just want a I just want a ad that can be read off of anything affiliated with United. <laughs> you have your gororo ah uh, don't worry, your goat is there with you now. What are you talking? <laughs> I think your goat now. You should win the double. <laughs> you are just how many points off uh, Man City? You should be able to win the league and the Champions League. Well, no, Um, the other Champions League results: Bayern ran ragged over Salzburg in typical Bayern fashion, seven-one. Um, TC had already won, so they might as well have played with their ancestors or their grannies and sporting people won't have done much. Um, Kule Inter looked like okay. We know what we're doing here at some at some point, but what one way or the other Liverpool found a way to get through. Yeah, it feels like as in like Inter are probably the most narrative team. Like they have to play to the narrative. Like to an extent they weren't really playing as good as they should have, but at the start of the second half, started creating chances. They were missing chances. And then Lato Martinez scored. It felt like the momentum had changed because they were running at Liverpool's defense. And then Sanchez did did what he did. And the moment that happened, to us, it was game over. Like, and to an extent, I think Inter were very, Inter were very lucky. over two legs. They were unlucky. They shouldn't have lost the first leg, and they should have done even better after in the second. But it does feel like, ah, yes, they are not, they are not there yet. Like, maybe a season or two. They are not. They can't really. They can't really touch with it. And Europe stopped at this point. So, and Liverpool is just a cut above. Um. Away from the Champions League itself, um, bullish in the NFL, it seems like a quarterback carousel is happening because after Aaron Rodgers said, you know what, I'll take my time, I decide, I'm retire, I decide to leave. Because I remember after like that game against the 49ers, after I left the field, a lot of people, a lot of people were swearing that that's the end. He's never coming back to Green Bay again. Blah blah blah. He's done with this team. He needs to go somewhere else and win the Super Bowl. Now there are reports of a 50 million. Per year, 200 million deal for four years, 50 million by making him the highest paid player in the NFL. I guess money makes the world go round, bullish. And you, you collect this money and not win anything because the truth is, the truth is that it, it just it shows his priorities. Yes, you cannot tell a man not to you know collect his pay and you know mm-hmm. not to collect the money, but you just you just begin to look at oh, there's a reason why he has just won Super Bowl after all these years. And there's a possibility that after this year, because the franchise tag um, yeah, Adams, now when you do that, Adams next year, early Rams will tell Adams, oh yeah, um, I think we have a 20 million for you from somewhere. Do you want to come? And you look at it. Why should I stay when I don't even know what's going to happen to Aaron Rodgers? You let me go and collect my three years, 24 million or something. So it, it just, the whole thing is smelling. And lucky for Broncos, they are getting Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. Who, who is just on 19 million, meaning they have enough room to add whatever things even during the season, which is the kind of thing oh, that happened oh, to earlier. But I believe you have to pay him. You don't give up, like, whether I would like it or not, the brokers have given up the entire farmhouse for Russell Wilson, and rightfully so. Because if you see the way the team, the, the team is constructed on both ends, both sides of the ball, they look like they're ready to win now. And Russell Wilson, which better quarterback would you find? Like Russell Wilson on his day is as good as he gets. But you are going to have to give him a new contract. He's 32 or so or 33. Like Aaron Rodgers is 38. 
Awusin still plans to play, say he wants to play deep into his 40s. So, yes, he's on 19 million now, blah, blah, but blah. At least you get the opportunity to test out what you just yes. got ordered. Yes. You have, because that is what, mm-hmm. that's the kind of things that rookie um, quarterbacks give you. The opportunity to test out and say, okay, we have a two-year window. Oh, yeah, let's see how this guy fits into our system, how this guy um, relates to our offensive coordinator, what exactly can they do together, does his number improve, does it make the team better, do we win from, let's say we go from seven wins to 11 wins, those kind of those kind of things are things that you can test out and see that, oh, I think what is needed, what is left for us is to add one, two, three, and then you try to work with the guy and go in the offseason to get him. And I think Russell Wilson probably... Maybe not, maybe not um, give them as much discount as Tom Brady, but I think it might give them a little more, especially if he sees the direction the team is going. It might give them a little like more wiggle room than someone like Aaron uh-huh. Rodgers. Meaning, instead of asking for the 50 million that maybe or 45 million that he probably would, should get, he might accept 35 so that they can have that 10 million to bring in one other wide receiver that will make his job easier. So it's just a, a case of mentality. And the truth is, you've seen the, the two guys how they operate, even with the franchise, how they communicate with the franchise, you can see there's a difference. So, next year is going to be very, this this coming season is going to be very interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to it anyways. Um, another quarterback news, the Washington Commanders, which is a very horrible name in the first place. Because I, understood the I don't think we should talk about that news directly. <laughs> they picked up as and went for, for about three third round picks, whatever it is you want to call it. And they two are hoping that, okay, next season, self go to but all right, all the best to them, Akasin West. Um, Kulin, it's, it's the 50th anniversary of Mario Puzo's godfather. Like, for those that don't know, I don't want to believe it. Okay, my people are there. I've not really seen the movie Godfather or read the book, whatever it is that it is. But it's a 50th anniversary of one of um, um, film's greatest um, adaptations that we've seen in a while. Like, in, in, in a few short words, how would you describe the movie itself? I think, I think the best way to describe the movie is the impact that's had. Like, um, many people say, and frankly, I'm, to be honest, I'm one of those people that say, um, Scorsese's good fella is a nice, nice revolutionized filmmaking, like both crime film and everything. But everybody, nobody will know that if there's no good father, and good fella doesn't happen, Gangs of New York doesn't happen, Untouchables does not happen. Like, if there's no that's what that movie did to the crime genre and everything, like a lot of things we've seen in the past, they don't happen. It is, and for the movie itself, as a standalone movie, I think. It's probably one of the best movies of all time. Like, I, I, I would say the, probably one of the few movies that is that one of the only films that are better than Godfather is Godfather Part Two. Like that is how <laughs> that is how incredible it is. Like, if you watch the performances, like Al Pacino and Marlon Brando in particular, like that, mm-hmm. oh, yes, this is this is something different. Like even and the crazy thing that even till now. It doesn't look out of place. The that is like it's fifty years old. It doesn't look out of place at all. Well, um, for those that don't know, like I'm sure Bolish has talked about God, Godfather so many times on this podcast. It's an all-time great movie. Like it's a movie that you should always have something to keep on see once in a while. Then um, Kule the Batman, Matrix Batman, without giving spoilers, one of the best Batman movies ever made. I think it's the best because, especially the fact that there's been. Like, there have been so many Batman movies in the past. And it's like, even, even better than Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight. I think it's... 
I think I think maybe maybe the only thing yeah, that will work for you. Don't bribe, Abi. Now you go make people go with this now. I'm not. It's not. Look, it's not even about like. The, I think what separates and uh, Dark Knight and this one that Dark Knight. I'm talking about Dark Knight is a, is a Batman movie, a superhero movie. This this seems like a crime movie, detective movie that has Batman in it. Like oh. it almost doesn't feel like a Batman movie, and the way they use Pattinson at the movie is fantastic, and. The best performance is Paul Dano as the Riddler. Like, even though yeah. it doesn't appear that much in it, but you can tell, like, okay, yes, this is this is something different. For uh, and of course, the only thing that we did is that it doesn't mean anything. It, it won't mean anything in the future. But and they might ruin it with something else. But this is they did so they did something really good here. This, without typical, question. In typical DC fashion, they'll probably just find a way to ruin an entire great movie, like no continuation, no story to tag along, no universe to build it up, to build upon it. Um, before we go, I'll probably just run through a question with everybody. Like, obviously, I'm sure a lot, aside from this latest Batman, you guys will have seen as much Batman movies as as possible. So I'll probably just ask, um, your favorite Batman character, favorite Batman actor. I think we lost Telemedia. Hello? Man, man probably Christian Bale. Without question, it's definitely Christian Bale. Like, nobody, maybe Patterson might be second. My, my drag second with Valkyma, which is Christian Bale. It's not even it's up to debate. I, I guess it's a unanimous answer then. Then I think the answer is I have to go for Christian Bale too. Anyway, um, I'm afraid that's all we can have for tonight. Thank you so much, guys, for being here. Um, okay, I think publicity. before we go, I think just to uh, bring it to notice, uh, if you, I, I saw there's one short clip, I don't know if you guys saw it, where they were discussing um, F1 season, and then the reporter said, Hamilton, do you think, uh, do you trust Mercedes to give you a good enough car? And just like, <laughs> why would I tr- trust them? We've won eight in a row. Yeah, 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 yeah. We won it. Yes, 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 yes. Like, it's insinuating so. that they still they won last year. So, <laughs> I, I Look, think every, everybody knows they won last year. Even people that read even beats, Christian they know. Even yeah, Christian yeah, them cool, they know. So, I, I just to say, I bring this up just to say that this is going to be very spicy. If you want to get into the mood for, you know, the F1 season, drive to survive. The season four is coming out tomorrow. I can't wait for it to come up because. They capture so much of the drama, and, and I'm sure it's probably what influenced some of the rubbish decisions from last year. But it it's was, still an it definitely was interesting because they were looking to conjure drama from nowhere. Yeah, but it's still an interesting watch. I won't even lie. Like the way they capture the conversations, they capture the um, old um, um, back and forth between the team owners, between even 